It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 894 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 1st. Holy God, it's March. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing on all of your favorite podcast providers. Tell a friend if they have yet to subscribe and or rated and or reviewed the podcast too. Word of mouth, still, uh, you know, the number number one in podcast advertising, baby. Uh, it's always appreciated when you help support not just this show, but all of the Locked On Network offerings that adhere to your interests as a sports fan. We got shows covering all of the teams in the big four sports and the power NCAA conferences. So go and find a show that you like. In addition to this one, it's always very appreciated. Okay. On today's show, which is, of course, brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. We're going to be diving in to the Raptors win over the Houston Rockets on Friday night. Meant to do an episode on the weekend after missing Friday. The schedule just did not line up for me. Had a busy Saturday and then Sunday came around and there was no game and it just felt weird to do a podcast. But we're here today to talk about that game against the Houston Rockets. A win for your Toronto Raptors to get back to 500. In addition... We're also going to talk about the postponement and COVID and having no coaches available and Pascal Siakam and all of that horrible, horrible hellscape stuff that we have to talk about uh, in the year of our Lord 2021. And joining me to talk about that, in addition to kind of addressing some news over the weekend about a certain guy who's on the Rockets and played against the Raptors on Friday, is our pal from CBC, from Complex, from all over the place. It's a big V Monday. Vivek Jacob, what's up, man? Hey, man. Uh, nothing much. Just filmed a fresh new episode of North Courts that will be out there for the people Wednesday night at 8 p.m. You can Hell look yeah. forward to that. Other than that, just got through another weekend. Um, shout out to Kate B. Doll Twitter uh, handle. Um, she did a thread of, I guess, places she's discovered over the course of the pandemic. And mm. I got some. Uh, got myself some Saffron Spice Kitchen Ooh. over the weekend. Uh, with some kotu roti, and man, that blew my mind. Shout out to Kate, a uh, recent guest of the podcast, on a very popular episode of the podcast where we read Bucks Reddit after the second straight Bucks win. Um, that was incredible. <laughs> I know you did retweet it. You you did have good things to say. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It seemed like most people enjoyed that, probably because Kate's awesome and through no doing of my own. Um, let's get I think in. You played your part. Yeah, what? Yeah, I, I, I teed her up and uh, let her take it. So, yes, I did do my part. 
You're right. Uh, let's dive into the game against the Rockets, shall we? The Raptors win 122-111. No Pascal Siakam, no Nick Nurse, no six other coaches. Uh, Sergio Scariolo, fresh out of quarantine from coaching Spain overseas, steps into the bench with uh, Mark Tyndale, Jamal McGlure, and his massive arms, and I think Jim Sand serving as the entire coaching staff. And the Raptors professionally dispatched the very, very bad Houston Rockets, 122-111. Uh, lots to dig into from this one. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 17th win of the season on Friday night, Big V? Oh, Sergio Scariolo is clearly the better coach. <laughs> it's time to move on. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But seriously, put Sergio Scariolo, Mark Tyndale, Jim Sand, and Jamal McGlure on a t-shirt. They were awesome. Um, I think, you know, this is a win that the Raptors should be expecting to get and So they took care of business. Kyle Lowry going up against a team that he can just pick apart uh, possession after possession. That's exactly what he did. Another triple-double in the books for him. So, yeah, I I mean, I was just kidding. Kyle Lowry, start of the show, getting it done. And long may be he a Raptor. Yeah, um, we'll get to the trade scuttlebutt in a second. Why this game, I think, uh, if it hasn't already been proven to people out there... it's dumb to trade him. Don't do it. The team is better with him. Um, but it, just sort of in terms of total takeaways from this game, I'm with you. Like, in sort of like giving credit to the coaches, Sergio Scariolo, great job. But my real takeaway here is that the Raptors probably could have won this game without a coach because <laughs> they, and I, would, I don't think I would have said this, you know, a month ago, but they've kind of found their groove. They're playing in a really sort of metronomic way in a way. You know, obviously there there's these ups and downs, but I think the rotation's been sorted out. They realize that small ball's the way to go here, and the bench is kind of forming and coalescing. And I just kind of think, you know, if you made Kyle Lowry player coach, which of course he said he almost cried that he wasn't named it, <laughs> had that happened... Mm-hmm. I think we all Lowry, did. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Outside of Lowry playing 33 minutes in this one, as opposed to the 48 he would have played if he were player coach, I kind of think... This game followed the script it was supposed to against a very, very vastly inferior team in Houston. And I don't want to denigrate Sergio Scariolo or anything. Obviously, it's a very difficult spot to be put into. He did a good job coaching, and Jamal McGlure with his raised arms really doing the work and making the defense play well. I'm going to give him all the credit. But this Joe Cashiro does... is going to come after you, man. <laughs> Respect, Sergio. Look, man, I'm Need not disrespecting. Wins a challenge on his first try? Come on. That's true. He is a, a challenge <laughs> hero. That's for damn sure. And watch your ass, Nick Nurse. Maybe but... he should just be assigned challenges. <laughs> like some coaches have the, the defense as their purview. Some coaches are about the offense. Scariolo is purely designed to win challenges. I think that's a good delegation yeah. of responsibility. We're on to something. Here. Um, but yeah, like this was a well-oiled machine professional win that I'm not sure the Raptors pick up a month ago. And it was really cool to see them just kind of go through an easy game. We haven't had a ton of these games throughout the season more recently, but it was really nice to just have a cruise control victory where even when things got a little bit dicey in the fourth as the Rockets went on a bit of a run to cut it to single digits, it never felt like it was serious. and It always felt like the Raptors were going to pull back and win it uh, pretty comfortably. And they did so 
like you said, through Kyle Lowry, who, in conjunction with Norm Powell and Fred Van Vliet, carried most of the day offensively. Uh, Norm, by the way, 30 points on 10 of 15, 4 of 8 from 3. Outstanding performance from him. Rough shooting night for Fred, but he shot well from 3, so that's good. But Kyle's the story here. 20, 11, and 10 on 6 of 9 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3, plus 22 in 33 minutes. He was outstanding, man. And as you alluded to, this is just another hammer in the coffin of the idea of trading Kyle Lowry or nail in the coffin, whatever the phrase is. He don't mm-hmm. trade him. The team is much better with Kyle Lowry on it. And they are, I think right now seventh in the East because the East is dumb and one Knicks win can throw off the entire thing, but they are comfortably in the playoff race, comfortably probably going to make it somewhere close to home court and have an easy schedule in front of them whenever they do get back on the court to rattle off some wins here. Uh, it, you know, Lowry is the key to making this team viable for a deep playoff run. And without Lowry, it, you know, it, it just everything kind of falls a little bit flatter. You know, the 16 wins in a row notwithstanding in the play- postseason, you want Lowry around. And this was an example of all the reasons why. He's just all-encompassing his defense, his playmaking, his scoring on his own. Kyle Lowry forever, man. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. If you are still sort of talking a Kyle Lowry trade into existence, like, uh, congratulations for thinking that the Sixers would be better with him. Yeah, every team would be better with him. Every team should want him. Doesn't mean they're going to be able to acquire him because he's too damn good and too important to the Raptors. I am totally with you. Uh, I think the only way Kyle Lowry gets traded, and I mean, I've tweeted this out, is if he wants a trade himself. And so yeah. if he goes to the front office and says, hey, uh, I'd like a shot at, you know, winning the whole thing with whatever list of teams that he feels he can help get there. Then I think you try to facilitate that and try to get pieces that make a trade worth it. You know, even if he does want a trade, you do want to make sure you're getting the appropriate return. So, uh yeah, I think unless he goes to the front office and says that he'd rather move on, I am not thinking about it. Um, what I may be thinking about is the free agency of 2021. And there was a certain guy on the other end of the court mm. named Victor Oladipo, who I think could be a pretty interesting Raptors fit. Obviously, you have to factor in his injury history now and how that seems to be plaguing him a bit. And weigh that up against what Norman Powell is now and what he could be in the future. Because, again, there's, you know, uh, a couple years that Norm has on Oladipo. And you look at the tenure that he has with the franchise. And you look at the chemistry that he has with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. And the way he's grown as a starter. I think those are all important things that need to be weighed up. If you had to consider re-signing Norman Powell or pursuing Victor Oladipo in free agency, which way are you leaning right now? So, <laughs> look, this is why I wanted to designate this for the final segment, because th- this, is a, this is a conversation that is got a lot of layers to it. Um, so let's actually save this <laughs> for the back part of the show. It, kind of on that note, though, I did want to ask you, um, you know, you mentioned the Kyle thing and the potential of, uh, of moving Kyle if he says he wants out, which there seem to be no inclination that that's coming whatsoever. I, I don't know why this continues to be sort of a thing people keep saying as though it's like some sort of eventuality. He's expressed being mm-hmm. very happy with the team and he's enjoying it. And even if he were to say, trade me, I don't know as much as you want to do right by the guy. 
I don't know that they necessarily have to trade him. And maybe that's a controversial way to think about it, but he's going to be free to go wherever he wants in a few months anyway. And if you're not getting something good back from one of these teams that feels like it's a Kyle Lowry away, which odds are you're not going to because these teams don't have a ton to deal. The Sixers, I guess, have some stuff, but... I don't know how intrigued you are by Tyrese Maxey, some contracts, and maybe a couple picks. Uh, you know, I, I your mileage may vary there, but I, I just don't see them getting a lot for him. So even if he says get rid of me, like trade me somewhere else, I don't think they're just going to do it just to do it. Like they're going to have to get something out of it, especially since Larry can choose his destination in a few months anyway if he wants. But on that note, I'm thinking resign the dude. <laughs> what's the harm of giving him more money this offseason? That's kind of where I wanted to to finish this point off, if I could, is like, has the way Larry has played this season, the age obviously being a factor, if he says, all right, I want to stay, give me two years, 50 million or whatever it might be, do you do it? Like, do you just continue to run it back with Larry until he no longer wants to run it back? So I've always been pro... Lowry's, you know, ability is going to extend for a couple more years because I feel like he takes tremendous care of his body. He is an extremely smart basketball player, and that's going to carry over. And I think the only thing that sort of you have to weigh up against that is the Raptors' desire potentially to just try something different because you, you re-sign him for the 25 mil, you, you're going to, have the same holes that you had this season. There's going to be, in my opinion, a definitive ceiling on the team. Even right now, I think we all can recognize that there is a pretty clear ceiling for this team. So I think that's the only question that comes into play, whether you want to delve into a what-if with a different player and and just sort of create a, a younger... You know, you have a young core, but get one more player that sort of fits into that timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I don't think there's any sort of clear direction as to what's going to happen going forward with Lowry. Just consider me firmly in the camp of keep him around forever (laughs) because he's really good. And, you know, I think there was this sort of take floating out there. Our friend Katie uh, Heindel, our best friend Katie Heindel, was on the Athletic NBA show last week, and there was this sort of sentiment that, Lowry's in the way of the younger guys on the Raptors kind of learning and and growing themselves, which I just think is not true. If you watch the way Kyle Lowry operates, the dude is all about making everybody else better and stepping aside to allow for development and growth. And why not continue to grow with that and keep him on the team? I'm, you know, especially since there's not that big giant fish. We'll get to Oladipo in the final segment, but especially since there's not that huge Giannis-level fish out there. I I see no problem in continuing to do the thing the Raptors do, which is stay good on the merits of Kyle Lowry and run it back until something opportunistic comes along they can take advantage of. But we can leave that there for now and get into some uh, more depressing stuff than even the thought of trading Kyle Lowry. COVID-19, baby! That's going to come up in the next segment. We're going to dive into the Raptors' postponement. Should they have even played on Friday night against the Rockets uh, and sort of make sense of a week that we don't really know if the Raptors are going to play any games in before the All-Star break. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at headspace which is the place that is really trying to change your life help you be sleep 
supposed to help you improve your sleep, focus, act, be better, and all of those things. And Headspace can help you get there. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids to help calm them the hell down. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. And look, it's a tough time right now. You've got lots of concerns. You've got COVID. You've got work from home. All of that stuff. It's difficult to get in the right Headspace, but Headspace can get you there. It is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to sleep, sleep better, feel happier, all of those things. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a one-month free trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action from football, which is now over, but you can bet on futures for next season if you want. You've got the NBA, college basketball, NHL in full swing. You've got Croatian and Greek basketball if you really feel like it too. Also, they cover award shows like the Golden Globes last night, TVs, TV shows, and reality TV as well. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Just head over to betonline.ag and use your laptop or your mobile device, whatever it might be, and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and the promo code for that deposit, uh, the bonus deposit, is locked on. All right, Vivek, let's continue on here. Uh, the Raptors didn't play on Sunday because COVID postponed the game. They had not enough players available, all in the protocols and whatnot. Of course, the six coaches and Nick Nurse on Friday were in the protocols. Pascal Siakam in the protocols. He's ruled out until after the All-Star game at the earliest. <sighs> the Raptors had gone most of the year without being affected by this, and it's a bummer that it's happening now. First of all, the only thing that really matters here is that everybody's okay. If anyone has tested positive, hopefully symptoms are mild or non-existent, and everyone can get back to normal quite soon, and it's terrifying. <laughs> it really is. This is like a Russian roulette virus where sometimes it gives you myocarditis or something terrible like that or worse, obviously. Um, I don't know. What are your overall feelings on the way things were handled? I think Friday, now that you look back at it, Vivek, it seems maybe irresponsible to have played that game considering the circumstances. And I don't know about you, but just the way that it seems like the NBA will power through a certain number of you know, inconclusive tests or positive tests and contact tracing and all this stuff, the fact that they'll, like, accept a small amount of it, but then when you get to the point where you don't have enough players, it does just kind of feel arrogant to me to play these games, just assuming things will be fine, because it's probable that it won't be fine a day from now, and you'll probably feel like shit for having played the game. I don't know. Where are you coming down on all of this? It seems uh, just very, very the way the NBA is going about it. And I know their protocols are all doctor-recommended and all this stuff, but just can't help but feel like that game Friday should not have been played, especially what we, given what we know now. 
Yeah, it's a weird one. And it goes back to even the Kevin Durant situation against the Raptors, right? Where it's like, he can't play. Then he comes into the game. Then he leaves the game. And it's like, he was already in the game. So what are we doing? And then with this situation, you're wondering, how is it that the coaches couldn't be involved? You know, you assume that the time that they're spending with the players that it would automatically rule out the players in terms of contact tracing. But, you know, I guess for whatever reason, it didn't. And then you look at Pascal Siakam missing the game. So it's a bit of a strange one. And then even, you know, with the with the limitation on minimum eight players, you know, why is it eight? Why is it not nine? Whatever it is, that, that has more to do with the basketball reasons than medical reasons, right? It's just, hey, with eight players you can play, and that's enough to get it done. Um, but from a medical standpoint, if you've got six players that, you know, say potentially are under COVID protocol, like, I feel like that should be enough reason to stop or six coaches, whatever it is. So yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, but I think Adam Silver has made it pretty clear that they're just going to power through at the end of the day. They, they've, made it clear if they haven't said it uh, their actions clearly speak to the fact that uh in terms of local broadcasters getting uh you know paying paying out they get have to get their minimum 70 games Mm -hmm. and so that's why you have the 72 game season and so that's why they're going to make sure they do everything they can to get it done uh you know right from the beginning it it didn't make sense to have a 72 game season you you'd think they'd want to minimize the games maybe have a 58 game season where even with those home and homes, you know, you can do that. And it's like you're done with that team, right? And so a lot that you can question, a lot that you can rightfully question, but I think this is just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, we're going to see it in full effect to come All-Star. Yeah, it's clear that no amount of disagreement that us normies might have with the season existing period is going to matter. And I've tried to make my peace with it and accept it and sort of deal with it my own way. I'm not watching a ton of non-Raptors games, just sort of out of a form of silent protest against just how things are going. But I have to watch the Raptors for work, and they also give me joy. So I guess that's part of it, too. And I'm probably part of the problem, honestly. But, you know, it it is... It's just... All of this just kind of once again highlights how dumb the All-Star game is and also how foolish the 72-game season was. And look, I could even be talked into a 72-game season if they weren't, like, rushing it to get it done before the Olympics, which might not happen, right? Like, they have this sort of stupid, arbitrary barrier in mind that is the Olympics. Like, you could just play through the Olympics and not worry about it and just say, okay, well, it sucks we didn't go to the Olympics this year, but we'll go the next time and whatever, there are plenty of other players who can go and play, you know, teams that might be eliminated can go send players and all that stuff. Like, I, I just, it's very silly and short-sighted to me to sandwich all these games in. And now you look at a Raptors team that we don't know if they're going to play Tuesday or Thursday against Detroit and Boston. And if they get these mm-hmm. three games canceled and they have to repurpose them, move them somewhere else in the schedule. Like, this is a team that already has, what, eight back-to-backs in the second half of the year? Like, that's crazy, and you're going to probably amp that up to 9 or 10 by having to move these games around and sandwich them in and create an extra stop on the road if you're going, uh, you know, on a road trip or whatever and you need to stop off in Chicago or whatever it might be. I guess it was a game in Toronto but or Tampa, but either way, it's just... It, it just... <laughs> I just feel so powerless. I'm just screaming into the microphone in the void, and there's nothing you can do because the NBA clearly doesn't give a shit and clearly only is driven by money. And 
look, I'm not saying this because I wish anyone to get sick or anything like that. I quite the opposite. I hope nobody gets sick uh, at the super spreader all-star game, but I wonder if it will take the NBA having a player test positive at all-star weekend. One of their marquee 24 most important players or some of the other people they're inviting to compete in the skills challenges and dunk contest, because you definitely invite more people. That's great. I wonder if it'll take someone getting sick at that for them to kind of look themselves in the mirror and say, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, it probably no, won't. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it surely won't because they just don't care. But it, it is just the constant grind of seeing this could pop up. And what, the Nuggets had another situation this week? Like, what if Nikola Jokic tests positive before All-Star? Like, what are we doing here? Right. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's entirely nonsensical to me. And having this happen yeah. a week out from the All-Star game, I think, illuminates all of that in a way that was probably illuminated before, but I guess there's just a brighter, shinier light on it now, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one thing I will say is, you know, I don't think we can just completely wash our hands clean of this. It's not like, and by we, I just mean the collective we of those who are consuming the content, right? Like as much as we complain about it, at the end of the day, it's not like the entire public is taking a stand and saying, no, this is wrong. Yep. We're not going to consume it. We're not going to watch. Everyone is watching. Um, and that that's a big part of why they're playing these games. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I think on some small level, we all have our part to play in this. So uh, it's playing out. You know, uh, part of why I'm making the money I make now is because yep. uh, the NBA is going on. And part of why I was in a panic, you know, back in la- last March was because sports was gone. And I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So it's a complicated situation for sure. Yeah. It, it, we're all, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, no ethical uh, product creation under capitalism either. We're all scum. It's uh, <laughs> basically. <laughs> the takeaway here but not quite as scum as the nba as a whole um let's finish up let's go back to the point you brought up in the first segment about victor oladipo because i think that's an interesting conversation given the news that took place over the weekend with him and a turned down extension from the rockets and look the trade talk has been a little bit quiet for the raptors lately as the team has gotten good again and the needs seem a little bit less pressing but we will dive into victor oladipo in just one second but first i want to tell you all about our friends over at built bar who make the best tasting protein bars money can buy they have 18 amazing flavors as well as some limited edition flavors that'll pop up from now and again on their store too including a recent one that our uh, intrepid co-host vivek really really enjoys the coconut brownie chunk vivek please tell people about coconut brownie chunk because it whips yeah, I mean, I can't believe it's you know supposed to be healthy for me. That uh, just tastes amazing, and uh, now I'm getting shipments every couple of weeks. It seems like, and I don't know if me getting bulked up is for purposes of the show. Uh, it's not like we have a video segment, but I don't know what they're trying to do. But there's only so much uh, a built bar I can consume as much as I am really enjoying it. But yeah, that's that's been great. I love the uh, banana bread. Mm. Uh, bar and so those two are definitely my favorite so far we've got big v we've got big cbc we got big lavender we got big six pack coming up soon on account of all the protein <laughs> built bars that big v's eating uh they're covered in 100 chocolate they're soft easy to chew they're great for the health conscious person like big v or other folks lose or maintain weight while indulging in delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for keto diets as well i will also say there's a new flavor out uh it is crispy peanut butter you can order as a limited edition run and it is freaking fantastic probably already into my top five so 
go and test that out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Vivek, let's wrap this up. Talk about Victor Oladipo, shall we? He played well against the Raptors on Friday. 27 points to lead the way for Houston. 9-21, 4-10 from 3, doing the Victor Oladipo thing. He's been, you know, on and off healthy for the last couple years, of course, Fell out of the plans for the Pacers, seemingly partly due to his own desires to not be with the Pacers anymore, but also didn't play super well after returning from the injury, and is an upcoming free agent, one of the better free agents in a class that was a lot better uh, a year ago and is no longer rich (laughs) with superstars, and that's okay. You brought up the point uh, of the idea of maybe a Victor Oladipo trade ahead of the deadline, which it seems like some of the Rockets, now that he's turned down reportedly a two-year $45 million extension... Maybe that's something the Rockets are going to pursue so they get something back for him if he doesn't want to stick around. And I believe I did an episode sort of talking about Oladipo earlier on this year when the trade happened, the the James Harden trade happened, and he ended up on the Rockets. He seemed like a prime trade target, and this was at a time where the Raptors were playing like butt, and Norm Powell was not playing (laughs) particularly well either. And obviously things have changed since then. My question to you is, Vivek, and I guess you threw this question at me, but I'll throw it back to you to get your answer first so I can uh, give take some more time to think about it. But an Old Depot trade would require Norm Powell to be involved in the deal. It would require a lot of dudes to be in the deal. Aaron Baines probably is getting there or Chris Boucher, one of those two contracts. You got uh, Stanley Johnson, Patrick McCaw. You know, the usual suspects of who you're trying to piece together salaries uh, in order to acquire. Maybe you can go big salaries and get... Uh, P.J. Tucker back as well in the deal for a rental as he maybe looks a little bit washed, but also looked quite good against the Raptors on Friday. And maybe he just only (laughs) cares once in a while playing for a very bad team. Do you do it if you're the Raptors? Is Norm Powell still below Victor Oladipo enough in the sort of hierarchy of shooting guards in the NBA to say, yes, this is a deal you make? Or is Norm Powell just flat out better than Victor Oladipo right now? And do you just wait to the offseason to see if maybe you can use your cap space to sign Oladipo as opposed to trading for him now and getting the inside track on keeping him around? So I think this the reason this conversation is relevant now is because I feel if the front office decides that they would like to go after Victor Oladipo, then I think it's something that need need to make happen before the deadline. Because then mm-hmm. I think it opens up the possibility of, you know, just being able to re-sign uh, players. And so if you can re-sign Oladipo and still have Kyle Lowry, um, you know, 
then I think that becomes much more appealing. If you get into a situation where now you go into the offseason, you have to renounce the rights to Norman Powell, you have to renounce the rights to Kyle Lowry, then I think it becomes a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the important part. I think the determination needs to be made now on whether they'd like to have him going forward or whether they'd like to have Norman Powell. Of course, if you'd like to have Norman Powell, then yeah, just go into the offseason, re-sign Norm, re-sign Kyle, and keep it going uh, with the small ball. And that's the other thing that the Raptors have to evaluate, right? It's, hey, if, if you want to keep Kyle Lowry, if you want to bring Victor Oladipo into the mix before the deadline, uh, then you're kind of investing in uh, small ball for a longer term, right? Because yeah. obviously Victor Oladipo is not coming off the bench. So you would have Fred and Kyle and Oladipo and Pascal and OG, which would be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think in terms of the strengths that Victor Oladipo has over Norman Powell, I think you know just that ability to facilitate the offense, keep the wheels greased in a half-court setting, um, be more of a primary option. I think part of why Norman Powell shines so much in the starting lineup is because uh, you know, the primary focus is on Pascal and Fred and Kyle. And so I think that just, you know, crystallizes his strengths and just focusing on what he does best, which is attacking closeouts and slashing and cutting, which he's been doing a great job of. Obviously, at this point, you know, three-point shooting is, uh, you know, just amazing. And to uh, three seasons now where he's pretty much at, at 40%. So... Mm-hmm that's as real as you you can think and so that's definitely an evaluation that has to be made and you know from the raptors from a development perspective i could see them just saying hey we we like what we've got here and we're gonna keep going with norman i have no issues with that whatsoever if so that's what i will say if it came down to hey would we rather just resign norm or pursue oladipo and free agency considering you know what that would mean in terms of also, you know, having to renounce the rights to Kyle Lowry, then I would rather just resign Norm. Yeah, it's um, I, I guess the concern, and maybe this isn't a concern because Norm's really good now, but I guess the market for Norm is going to be very intense this offseason. And I, I wonder if maybe he almost commands about as much as Victor Oladipo would command based on recent performance. Obviously, Oladipo has got a way longer pedigree of being a star level player. He's made all NBA in the last three years like it's I don't want to say that Norman Powell is better than Victor Oladipo, but the way that he's playing is going to get him play, paid somewhat commensurate, I would think. And then I guess you sort of get into what does Norm offer that Victor Oladipo doesn't and vice versa. And if I'm just thinking about the Raptors' small ball attack, I think I'd maybe prefer Oladipo in there just because he's a better defender. He can switch a little bit more liberally and you know guard one through three, maybe even down to four if you get really ambitious. And like you said, his playmaking is just well beyond where Norm's is. Norm, I think, is a better finisher at the rim, better first step, all that stuff. But as a primary creator, which I think is just the most important thing you can have on a basketball team, Oladipo's kind of it. And even if you do transition out of the Kyle Kyle Larry, (laughs) Kyle Lowry era era after this year. Kyle Larry OB. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Even if this is the end of the Kyle era after this year, having Oladipo on the team to kind of offset some of the burden of playmaking that'll be on Fred and Pascal once you do move into the next era, 
might be kind of a nice thing to have, even if maybe he's on the decline. And, you know, he's 29 this year. It's not like he's super young. He does kind of line up with the Siakam and Van Vliet timeline a little bit, which is nice. Um, and Norm's kind of similarly aged a little bit younger. But, you know, it's it's not easy. It, it really is not an easy call. I think if I was, you know... Put a gun to my head right now. Which, why would you do that? Don't do that over a basketball thing. That seems overreactionary. But if you did do that, if, mm-hmm. if you told me that Norm, Stanley Johnson, Patrick McCaw, and like a second rounder to sweeten the pot for the Rockets would get it done, I think I might do it, even though it would really hurt to lose Norm because he's been so good this year. I just wonder if maybe this is the peak of his value and Oladipo maybe offers a little bit more to the team in terms of all-encompassing value and contribution. But I certainly wouldn't begrudge you if you thought Norm was a more effective piece on this team. If you think that him as like a fourth option in any lineup he's in is more effective than inserting another sort of high usage guy to play alongside Van Vliet and Lowry and Siakam, it's very not easy. (laughs) And it's why I'm not a general manager, because I don't really know the calculus of that. Maybe I'll do a poll over uh, who people would rather have in a vacuum between Powell and Oladipo going forward to pay their next contract. I think that's sort of the big consideration here is you're paying the next contract of these guys as well. And that factors into the future sort of trajectory of the team. It's tough, man. It's really tough. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, You know, the one thing I will add that I find interesting about the norm conversation is, you know, with guys like Pascal, with guys like Fred, with guys like OG, we always anticipate them getting better right and we just never seem to do that with norm we always as soon as he starts to play well it's like okay this is the peak you know we, we always seem to say that this is this is as good as it's gonna get this is the time to get value you know do we do we pull the trigger and so maybe there's a bit of a conversation that needs to be had there where it's like hey what can norm truly get better at and i know some of that probably stems from the fact that you know, those other guys we mentioned previously uh, have a track record of making better basketball decisions and that would probably lend towards, you know, having better feel and things like that. And so you anticipate growth. But with Norm, I think, you know, maybe a bit of a question that needs to be asked is as he continues to play as a starter, as he continues to get more minutes alongside a Fred and a Kyle and a Pascal, does he just continue to get better? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's not easy. Thankfully, Bobby Webster and Masai are the ones dealing with this question. And, and look, this might not even be a question. This might not be a possibility. We are just kind of throwing it out because <laughs> it does kind of seem like a connect the dots type of thing for the Raptors who have a lot of cap space and have wanted to be in the market of free agents this offseason and who could probably stand themselves stand to give themselves an advantage if they acquire one of the biggest fish before free agency actually takes place. Um but we'll continue to talk about that another day, I'm sure. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for coming on, man. This was great. Sorry it was a little bit long, everybody, but we had a lot to get to after a few days with no show. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Usual stuff, man. You can find my work at Complex, at CBC Sports, and the new episode of North Courts will be up Wednesday night, so be sure to check that out. Outstanding. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean, of course. Go listen to... Uh, uh, basketball, my podcast with Katie Heindel. That's a lot of fun. You can go 
and find that on all your favorite podcast providers, just like you can with this show and all the other stuff we got cooking at Locked On. Uh, we also, or I should also, uh, I had something else I wanted to plug, but I totally forget. That's okay. I don't need to plug myself anymore. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Ah, that's what I was going to say. Doing a mailbag episode Tuesday. So if you have any uh, questions, please send them on in. I have a prompt on Twitter. You can go find it, send me a question, and I will try to get to it on Tuesday's mailbag episode. And hopefully... We have a game to talk about on Tuesday. If not, then that's okay, too. And as a preparation for not having a game to talk about on Wednesday's podcast, I have booked in our pal Samson Folk from the Raptors Reaction Podcast over at Raptors Republic. And he's going to jump on to talk about a piece he wrote about OG Ananobi today. So that you can expect Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how the schedule breaks down and if they end up playing games this week. That'll do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.